That's pretty much my sermon for today. So we're going to have the band come up and we'll, no, we're not going to do it that way. It'd be nice, but that's not going to happen. Uh, part of me feels like, I don't know if you've seen the movie War Room, and uh, towards the end of the movie, like three quarters of the way in, uh, the key character just feels Satan just attacking from all things, and she just goes in her house and she opens up the door and she says, Get out, Satan! Just get out! And I just feel that today. That we just need to say, Get out! Get out of our lives! Let Jesus rule. Let Jesus be a part. Today's sermon is going to be on empty living. Before we go in, let's just go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, let us lay down our religion. Let us lay down everything that gets in your way. Our selfishness, our pride, our entitlement, our anger, our wants. You show us constantly that if we just give our lives to you and trust in you, that you'll take care of us each and every day. And while it rains on the just and the unjust, we know that when it rains on us, we can praise you in the storm. It's not always easy. It's not fun to go through hard and difficult times. But we can find peace in a relationship with you, that peace that surpasses all understanding. If we just trust you. We fail every day, God get distracted by everything. Chase things we shouldn't chase instead of chasing you. And what do we have to show for it? An empty cup, wondering where you're at. Father, may we see you today. Help me to just totally get out of the way of your word and let your word just come true. And may we fill ourselves up with the blessings that come through you, through the word and through the life of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our lead scripture today is out of the book of Psalms. Psalms 127, 1 and 2. I believe, if I have this correctly, that that was on... I don't know, one of the days. Day 2, day 3 of your uh, Bible in a Year. We've been doing the Bible in a Year study. And... Uh, all the scriptures, if not most of the scriptures that I share with you this morning will be what out of you should have read this week uh, leading up into this sermon. Psalms 127, 1 and 2 reads as thus. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. When I was talking to Pastor Jeff about this sermon, he thought I was going in the lines of vanity, and I said, no, I'm talking about 
when our life is in vain. See, we run into a lot of things. We teach our kids to climb the corporate ladder, to study, which studying is not a bad thing, but a lot of times we're teaching our kids, you know, you got to get a good job. When you graduate, you got to go on to college. We want you to go to, you know, Harvard, and we want you to be able to make six digits when you graduate, and, cause that, and then you're going to get married and, and have this great family because that's what life is all about. And God says right here, unless the Lord is building, you're building in vain. I don't care what job you have. I don't care if you're a minister. If you're not doing it for God, you're not doing it right. And for some reason, like he said in the video, we take God along with us. You know, back in the 80s, I think they had that campaign, God is our co-pilot. Man, you're making a big mistake. When is God going to fly an aircraft for you? Get him out of the co-pilot seat and get him into the main seat. Because if, if whatever you're doing, you're doing it in vain. You're just chasing after the wind, as Solomon would say. What are you doing for God? And a lot of people find that that's like radical thinking for some reason that you know, oh, you know, back in the 80s they had the total commitment movement and oh, they're a cult because you're totally committed to Christ. Okay. I'm sure all, all the apostles were committed to Christ because they all died for Him. You know, Peter was hung upside down because he didn't want to be hung on a cross the way Jesus was. He didn't even consider himself worthy to be hung the way Jesus was and he wanted to be hung upside down. You know, John was thrown off a wall, then he was boiled in oil and finished his days on an island because of Christ. And we're so comfortable here in America. And we get upset over cakes and ice cream. You know, what we're selling in our stores and who's buying it instead of being worried about lives for Jesus Christ. You know, we didn't put up a booth yesterday at the Blue and White Festival to give out water to people. That's what we did, but that's not why we did it. We wanted to show people love and compa compa uh, compassion. We wanted to show them that we were there because we cared. We weren't there to celebrate red, white, and blue. We were there to celebrate Christ. That's why we're there. I'm pretty sure that the clothes cottage is not just open to give clothes to people. I'm pretty sure that Terry invests all that time because he knows he's promoting Christ and what they do. Because Jesus cares about people. What do you care about? You know, this past week, if you've paid attention to the news, and, and honestly, I don't like paying attention to the news, and a lot of times it just gets thrown at me, but we had two famous people die of suicides. Okay? People that took their own lives. These people had millions of dollars, and that's what we're teaching our kids to make. You know, go to the school, make all this money, bring home six digits, and kill yourself in ten years. We wonder, and, and we sit there and we go, gee, this world is all screwed up. And guess what? It's my fault. It's all of our faults. Because we're not teaching people to live for Jesus. We're not living any different. We're living in vain. 
Are you really totally committed to Christ? I'm not saying do you not sin. Everybody sins. We all fall short. No one is righteous. No, not one. But Paul says, I press on towards the goal to which God has called me heavenly. Are you pressing on? Are you trying to be a better person? Henry Blacker being an experience in God says, you cannot read this word and stay where you're at. You can't. You can't read the Bible and stay and not change your life. Because if you read the Bible, you go, holy cow, I didn't know that. I didn't see that in there. I need to change my life. I shouldn't be doing that. I love it when kids ask questions. Well, what do you think God says about this? I don't know. Pick the book up and read it. I'm not going to read it for you. Pick it up and read it. The Bereans were a more noble character because they did what? They listened to what Paul said, went back, examined the scriptures, and determined what Paul was saying was true. And you guys rely on me and Jeff to tell you the word of God. I'm telling you, don't do that. It's not about what Pastor Jeff says or what I say. It's about what this says. This is what's important. I want you to sit back today and go, I don't know if I believe everything Albert says. Well, go read the book. Read the book. Find out what the book says. Because he says here, unless you're building, unless the Lord is building, you're building in vain. And if you're not living your life for Christ, you're living in vain. You know, more than 30 years ago, and this is what, this is what blows my mind when I read this. I'm reading a, a book by Lee Strobel. And he quotes these two Christian professors. And this was written 30 years ago, and I think it's even worse today. More than 30 years ago, Duke University Divinity School professor Stanley Howard was, and professor of Christian ministry William Willibin wrote a bracing indictment of mainline churches in America, and the piece was titled Christian Century. Their bottom line assessment, the central problem for the church, its theology, its ethics, is that it is simply atheistic. You heard me correctly. Atheistic. We conduct business as if God doesn't matter. We endow pensions for clergy and devise strategies for church growth as if God were not here. You know, we sit down and, and we'll have a budget meeting and say, well, we got the money to do this. Where's faith? If you're feeling called to God that you should be doing something for God, should the budget make a difference? You know, in my study of called and accountable, there was a, a group of people that were going to start a Christian radio station and they needed a certain amount of money by a certain amount of time or else it wasn't going to happen. And it went up and the story goes, it went all the way up until the day before they were going to lose it all. And they were short, I don't know, a million dollars. Okay? They were short. But they had a prayer meeting that night and they just prayed, God, if it is your will, you're going to make this happen. And when they woke up the next morning, there was an additional million dollars in their account and they closed on that Christian radio station. 
Because they had faith and they prayed to God about asking God to lead in that. And you go, that's just not possible. It was. It happened. It's documented. It's true. God didn't stop working miracles in people's lives by those that put their faith and trust in Him. It doesn't stop there. You know, what we really need is an attitude adjustment, which is my second point. We need to start thinking differently about how we're living. That's point three. I don't know what Pastor Jeff did, but that's not it. I don't even think I had a Revelations in my scripture, so I don't know if that's right. Revelations is not correct. Just telling you right now. We need to go to Proverbs, which was on day seven, June 7th, and Proverbs 16.25. This is where the main problem appears. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. You know, where did we get off thinking that we're smarter than God? Where did we get off thinking that we're better? When we were talking with the youth today about the people of Israel, Moses goes up in the mountain, and after about 30 days, they're like, okay, let's build a calf. Moses ain't coming back now. Let's throw in the towel, the towel and we're going to go ahead and, and, and make you know, a golden calf and we'll worship it instead. And in the end, it led to death for those people for worshiping something else other than God. Are we worshiping something else other than God? You know, are we worshiping, some of the kids mentioned this morning, are you worshiping your money? Are you worshiping your game systems? You know, some of the kids, they're, they're home playing games and they're not in church. You know, they got to be at work. You know, what are you putting your time in? You know, we're so quick to run to the nearest sale at Kohl's than we are to show up at church on a Sunday morning. And I like what uh, one of the elders in my other church, Pastor, uh, our elder Doug Mills, would always pray, let's pray for the empty seats. We need to pray not for numbers. We need to pray for souls to fill those seats of people to hear Jesus. To be able to change their lives. See, nobody's going to come to this church if we're just mainline Christians. If we're just a religion. That's why the song, lay down your religion and start living for Christ. Amen. Lay it down. Acts 5, 27 to 32, reads as follows. It says, the apostles brought in, were brought in and made to appear, appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders to not teach in Jesus' name, he said. Yet you filled Jerusalem with your teachings and you're de determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than humans. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. And God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. 
are we going to obey God or listen to our own selfish desires? Now, I'll, uh, I'll give you an example. And we were talking about putting the booth up for the Bloom White Festival. Conversation I had with my wife on Friday night was, it's going to be hot, and I don't want to do it. I don't want to go and sit down in 90 degree weather in a booth and hand out water to people. Now, I could have listened to me and not gone and not been an example to anybody. But we ended up having this one gentleman, his name was Ishmael. It was a biblical name. He came to our booth and we had a great talk about the Lord. Great talk about the Lord, which would have never happened if I said, no, I'm not going. No, I'm not going to go. I don't want to. And we hear that as, you know, from our kids. I don't want to go. Well, we came and we obeyed God rather than our own selfish desires if we were able to, to touch some people's lives. Did we give out all the water? No. But did we have the opportunity to share the message? Yes. And you know, as, as Jeff was praying over me, uh, Jeff Ellis here prayed over me beforehand. He said, if only one person can come to Jesus, it's worth it to join the 99. And so we may have just reached one person yesterday. That's all we needed to reach to bring him back into the fold. You know, we don't, we don't go and do a Blue and White Festival because we want people to come to church. We're going to do a Blue and White Festival because we want people to know Jesus. Yes. You know, we want people to know Jesus. We don't want them to come to church. I, like, I love that video. We've got to stop coming to church and start coming to Jesus. Yes. We really do. You know, in a book by David Platt, when I first was ordained as a minister, Pastor Jeff gave me a book by David Platt called Radical. And I read this book and it just smoked my brain. Because, like I said earlier, in America, we're soft. We may call ourselves the greatest country in the world, but when it comes to Christianity, we're soft. There are Christians across the sea that aren't meeting in buildings like we have today. We have the blessing of being in this building today. There are people that are crawling on their hands and knees through tunnels to meet for 10 to 12 hours and talk about the gospel in a cave because if they're caught outside, they're going to be dead because they're Christians. So they meet underground. So they got these underground caverns that they crawl on hands and knees in and worship Jesus for 10, and 10, 10 or 12 hours. And, and you know, and it was funny. He said the first time he got to one of those and he presented his message, he took, you know, I don't know what, 20, 30 minutes and, and said, okay, in Jesus' name, amen, we're going to go. And they're like, no, we're not done. You need to share more about this God. We need to learn more about Jesus. And he's like, whoa, eight, 10 hours later, he's still talking about the gospel. And we're worried about, you know, beating the, the other church to the buffet line at Cracker Barrel or, you know. And there's people that are hungering and thirsting for the word of God, and we're worried about what time it is. No, I'm not going to preach for 10 hours. I promise. Amen. 
I got 20 minutes to finish. <laughs> I, I got my new Fitbit today. This little sidebar. I, I got my Fitbit for my wife. I'm going to find out how many miles I walk on this stage. Because <laughs> as Troy will tell you, I burn it up, man. You can see, I can set the church on fire. I walk so much. You know? I don't know if y'all just get crazy with it. But. So anyway. But yeah, we got to start thinking and living as if God exists. Man. Because he does. Yes. You know, read Lee Strobel's book, Case for Christ, and the documentation of the fact that Jesus really did live, which I think we don't believe. He really did die on a cross. He really did bleed out. He really did go into a grave, and he really did raise, and we got over 150 witnesses after his resurrection. And we read about a lot of these witnesses this week. If you continue to read through John, about the different times that Jesus appeared to people. We really do worship a risen Savior. He's just not a myth. It really is a God. It really is. So what do we need to do? To live as Christ. Let's start in John 21, 15 through 17. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now this time Peter's hurt. He says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went out and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the type of death that Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Why are we so afraid of what somebody else is doing? We spend more time going, well, what about him? What about her? What about you? Why are we 
probably so worried about what everybody else is doing. We need to be worried about one thing, and that's Jesus. We need to be worried about what God thinks of us. Not about what our friends are doing. You know, you go back to that classic story. Mommy, you know, can I do this? Johnny's mom's letting him. Well, if Johnny's mom let him jump off a cliff, would you? Yeah, I'm all in. We shouldn't be all in about jumping off a cliff. Unless we're jumping off for Jesus. We're so worried about what everybody else is doing that we're not doing it ourselves. We're so quick to point the finger when there's three others pointing right back at us. You know, this past week, and I believe God has a purpose for everything you do every day in your life. We may not see it. We may not understand it. We may gripe and complain about it. But God has a reason for you doing what you're doing each and every day. He really does. Case in point. I'll give you this past Friday. This past Friday at work, I was given three jobs. Normally I had seven or eight to do throughout a day where I work full time. But I only had three things on my list. But those three things were taking me to Hartford City, Fishers and Connersville, and I got home an hour after work because it took me that long to get it done. Part of that is when I left work, I work out of Scottsburg and Hartford City's up there by North, North uh, Fort Wayne. It's up there, it's three hours, okay? So I look at my GPS and it's saying three and a half, I'm going, wait, that changed. And it's taking me through this weird course up by Madison. And I'm like, whoa, Siri, what is going on? You know, so I'm going and boom. Siri made her first mistake because the road was closed going up the road she was giving me, but it wasn't recorded. I guess they just recently closed it, so it wasn't in there. But there is a reason why Siri was trying to take me that way because I'm like, Forget Siri, I'm cutting back this way. So I go 14 miles back. All right, I left at 9 o'clock. I go 14 miles back. I jump on 65. I said, boom. And I made it about one. I didn't even make it one exit when the traffic was stopped because there was that truck fire up by 50. And it, and it was backed up. And then there was a second accident by exit 41. So I hadn't even made it to exit 41, and I just got off exit 36, so I'm stuck. And, I, and I'm seeing my time still saying three and a half, three hours and 40 minutes, and, and it's telling me I'm not going to get to Hartford City until like one, and I'm like, I still got to go to Fishers and Connorsville. How's this all going to work? And I could have done one thing. I could have started griping. I started, I, I could have just, you know, what is God trying to do? What is up with this? What is going on? Come on, God, why do I have this problem? Well, I turn around. I do a U-turn. I'm sorry, Lord. I did. I did a U-turn. Came back. I start going up 31, and I, I'm not listening to Siri because Siri's trying to take me another direction. I'm going, I'm going up 31, Siri. I don't care what you say. You know, so I'm going up 31. Guess what? Since the accident was at 41, there were semis lined up at um, 31. So I wasn't going that way either. 
So I turned around and I followed what Siri said, finally. And uh, somehow ended up, it took me, what time, 10.30, I got to Seymour. It took me an hour and a half to get to Seymour. And I could have been really upset. You know, I could have been really frustrated, you know, road rage. But I was like, okay, God, you have a reason for this. And I'm going to try to maintain a good attitude. And I start praying. And I told my wife, I think I prayed more on Friday than I have all week. I just started praying about everything. I started praying about the sermon. I started praying about people. I started praying about lighthouse. I mean, I was just praying about everything. I spent more time praying just because I was driving and, and had nothing else to do but talk to God. So I did. You know? And I get up to Hartford City. And I got there right after lunch. If I had gotten there a half hour earlier, that person wouldn't have been there. And I would have had to wait a half hour for her to come home anyway to get my equipment. So it worked out. That wasn't too bad. So then I had to come down to Fishers. And then that actually went pretty smooth at Fishers. And then it started to rain. And I was like, I, I, I can't. Really, God? Thunderstorm? I've been driving. Now you're going to give me rain? You know I hate driving in bad weather. My wife can tell you, I don't like driving in bad weather. If it's raining, she's driving. I don't like to drive in bad weather. It's just not my forte. I'm just like, you got it. You, know, you can drive. It's raining. Not, not for me. But I don't have my wife with me at the time, so I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> you know, I'm out there in Connorville. So I'm going to pull over at a Burger King and get a chocolate shake. <laughs> I did, Troy. I got a chocolate shake. So I stopped and get a chocolate shake. And there in the back of Burger King is a lady with just a pop with four or five suitcases and bundles of sleeping. You know, she has a sleeping bag and some other stuff. And she's in rough shape. And the first thing that came to my mind was feed my sheep. And I'm not one for giving people money just arbitrarily because I'm always concerned whether they're going to spend it on drugs or not. But I don't have a problem buying somebody food. And I looked at the guy at the cash register and I looked up and I saw this two for, you know, something. And I gave him the money and I said, when I leave, have her pick out what she wants and let her have it. He said, I will, sir. Now, I don't tell you that story to make me look good because that doesn't happen all the time. I tell you that story because we are called to feed our sheep. We are called to feed the people we come in contact. I don't believe that, I don't believe for one instance that that was a coincidence. I believe God delayed me, slowed me down, and got me to that Burger King so I could help somebody who didn't have something. I honestly believe that. And if you think I'm crazy, then I'm crazy. But God wanted me to help somebody and I was able to. And I obeyed. You know, we went to New York last year to see my family. And we got lost coming back out of Ohio. And I, I don't even know what we were doing. We, we were just lost. And I had a bag of Fritos on my lap that I didn't need to be eating at the time. And we came up and there was a guy just had a little sign that said, I need food. And I handed the Fritos out the window and gave it to him while she was driving. <laughs> I wouldn't drive if she would. And he said, God bless you. 
And you know, right after we gave him the Fritos, we got back on track and we found the road that we needed to be on. I believe God had us on that road to give that man a bag of Fritos because that's probably the only food he had that day. The people God puts in your life, he puts in your life for a reason. Whether you're at Walmart, whether you're at the J.C. Food Store, whether you go to a movie theater, there's a reason there's somebody sitting next to you. Or there's somebody standing in line in front of you or behind you and you hear that story. Oh, I left my wallet in the, in the car and I don't have enough food stamps or whatever. And the other person, you'll hear story after story about somebody dropping down and paying for that lady's or that guy's food or clothing or whatever they need at that time. Because we're supposed to feed our sheep. We're supposed to help people. Jesus had compassion on so many people. Leads me to my last scripture out of Acts chapter 2, 42 and 47. The Fellowship of the Believers is the title of that section. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We have got to stop living for ourselves and start living for others. It's not about you. It's not about me. We've got to start putting God first in our lives. It's community. We're supposed to be a body of Christ. We're all supposed to be here to help each other. And I'm not coming down on anybody. I'm not trying to come down on anybody. I'm just telling you, we're missing out as a church, and there's a reason why there's empty seats. Not that we need numbers. We need hearts. But there's a reason. We've got to start living it. You know, Oh, I tread ground on this one. Oh, I don't know whether they're saved or not, but I, I'm just going to tell you my heart, okay? We're supposed to be a church body, okay? At the end of church, where are you going? I go home and fix lunch, okay? What are you doing after that? Have you seen Roger today? Have you seen the Primes? Have you hung out with Danny or Howie or Troy, Margo? Who are you spending time with? Or are we just leaving and we're out of here? I got things to do. I got places to go, people to see. It says here in the book of Acts, they got together every single day. And shared what they had in common. Now life unfortunately gets in the way. Because we all work eight hour shifts. Except for those that are blessed in retirement. Um, but for the most part. But what are you doing when you get off of work? Well I'm tired. Well, you know I was tired. I'm tired when I get, get off of work. I'm still here on Wednesday night. I still come back on Sunday night. I'm tired. I like to go home and take a nap. 
But they got together every day, and when we get done with church, we're out of here. We just split off. I'll never see you until next Sunday. And so we've made a commitment, and that's not, and again, I, I'm not, well, I, I want to stay out of the way. It's not me. It's just a conviction that God's putting on my heart that we, if we're going to be part of this community, we might, as, we might as well move here and start spending time. And we've had some blessed lunches. We've gone out with Roger and Janet. Uh, and a couple other people, names just fly. I'm still trying to learn everybody's name so I forget everybody. But I'm, I'm getting there. But just spending time with people. You know, what, what did we do Easter Sunday? We all went over to Roger and Janet's with the prize and we sung and, and had fellowship for a, a while. That was wonderful. But you know, it really got me as I walked around the Blue and White Festival. I don't know. I don't want to be judgmental and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling you what I see. And, and I saw a couple members over here, and I saw a couple members over here, and I saw a couple members over here, and a couple members over there. I saw some kids from youth group over there, and nobody was together. And that bothered me. It really did. Now, we went around and tried to hang out with Roger and Janet for a while, and we went and saw some other people for a while, and we had our booth, and Mark helped us. And, and, but, you know, I was like, why weren't we in this together? You know, what? Oh, are we a community? Is that part of the reason why we have empty seats? Is because we all have our separate individual lives and God's not part of it? Now, I'm not saying you can't spend time with your family. I'm not saying that you can't spend time with your friends. I'm not saying any of that. But can we get together as a community and bring our friends and family with us? You know, I'm preaching this morning and I got... One, two, three, four, I got five people that are friends of mine that I invited to come today because they're special to me. They mean something to me. They're part of my past and my future, and I wanted to share this with them today. You know, I want them to meet my new family, which is you guys. You guys are my new family from where I was, and I want them to meet you and share the love that I get from you guys. I'm not saying we're doing everything wrong. I'm just saying we need to get on track couple more points out of this if you go back to where it says they devoted themselves that word devoted means constant attention okay gave constant attention every day they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching are you in the word every day see this is my object lesson for today this is our life. This is our cup. Make sure I don't fall down the steps. But here, here it is, Monday morning. I'm going to pray and read for about 15 minutes. And that's all I've given God in the rest of the day. Has been work and didn't really do much praying. And just kind of went about my business. And I came home and I went to bed and said my prayers. So I said a little bit more prayers when I went to bed. Okay, and then the next day I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray just a little bit more and give God another 10, 15 minutes. And then like in that video, something happens on, on Tuesday. You, know, you get that phone call you didn't want to hear. And it all goes back in that and we're going, God, where are you? Because we're not filled up with Christ. 
we're not giving constant attention to God. We're just giving Him a little bit every day. And that's if you study your Bible every day. That's if you study your Bible every day. So good. And we spend the rest of the day doing something else. When are we going to give it all to Christ? The last word in this was fellowship. The word fellowship comes from a Greek word called koinonia. Koinonia. Henry Blackaby writes in the study Experiencing God that koinonia is an intimate fellowship in the church and it's based on personal relationship. Koinonia with God and with individual believers. Koinonia with God comes only from a real personal encounter with the living Christ and surrender him as the absolute Lord of your life. This is the intimate love relationship we're talking about when God pursues you in that kind of relationship. Do you have that kind of fellowship with the believers? You know, as we wrap this up, you may have different kind of needs. You may not know Christ and want to know Christ. You may just have a prayer request and, and, and need to have prayer overcoming a, a certain area in your life. Or maybe you just feel like you were following God and like Jeremiah 129, you remember the devotion of your youth, how you used to follow him through a land not sown, and somehow you strayed from that. Let's pray about it. You know, family that prays together stays together. Why don't we just pray with each other? Why don't we just get in one big circle and pray? And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't leave here without him. Don't leave here empty. Christ doesn't want you empty. It's the comforter of the Holy Spirit waiting for you if you gave your life to him. If the musicians want to come up, we'll get ready. But if you do have any kind of need and you just want to pray, Whatever it is, come up and, and, and see myself or grab one of the other deacons or you know anybody and say, hey, can we pray? No. And if you don't want to make it public, that's okay. We can pray individually. We can pray privately. It's all right. 